Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. And today we're going to talk a little bit about market cycles. In order to make a profitable investment, it's vital that you understand the cycles of the real estate market because they actually affect the value of the properties that you want to consider or the properties that you own. Now, let's be clear right from the beginning. I am not suggesting or implying that you focus on appreciation or potential appreciation in lieu of cash flow. For me, Cash flow is still the number one priority. It's at the top of the list. It is the most important factor that I look at. So I look at cash flow in terms of dollars, but I also look at cash flow in terms of what's my cash on cash return. That's how I judge a good performing asset. So in terms of market cycles, the first thing to understand is just as the weather has four seasons, so does the real estate market. It has four general cycles, an up market, a peak market, a down market, and a bottom market. In other words, just as temperatures fluctuate during spring, summer, fall, and winter, so do property prices in residential real estate. They go up and down in their cycles. However, unlike weather seasons, market cycles tend to last longer at approximately 7 to 10 years. That's an entire cycle from beginning to end. Keep in mind that these cycles are normal functions of dynamic markets and they're affected by factors within those markets. And we'll cover that a little bit later. But for now, let's take a closer look at these four general markets and what goes on in each of them. And, you know, we're going to consider a little bit more of a technical definition later, but let's just talk about this in general terms. So first and foremost is our favorite, an up market. This occurs when home prices are rising. It's also called a quote-unquote seller's market. I'm sure you've heard that term before. And it's called a seller's market because sellers can pretty much get the price that they want when they want. And there are so many people who are buying properties at these higher prices that it continues to push the price up. In essence, demand exceeds the supply. So what are the signs of an up market? Well, prices are appreciating. I mean, that's obvious. But inventory levels are low, or that trend is dropping. So you'll see inventory start to dry up. Tied in with that is you'll see a shorter number of days on market. This is uh, referred to as the DOM, days on market. So you will see that properties don't sit on the MLS or on a street for very long before it goes into a pending and sold status. There are multiple offers on properties. Often you will see people bidding against the same property. And that, you know, just further drives prices up. There is optimism and excitement or a buzz among people and, and within that market. So you can tell that there's some sort of euphoria going on. And, you know, this is uh, what sometimes leads to that irrational exuberance as, uh, you know, the book talks about. And, you know, investors feel good about investing. You know, there's that general feeling of uh, this is the right thing to do and the right place to be. When you're in a rising market, it's exciting because, you know, the uh, tide floats all ships. After a few years of an up market, what we find is we reach a peak market. And as the name indicates, this is when prices have 
basically reach their maximum point. It's also known as a bubble market. And the reason is because prices can't go any higher. And once that so-called bubble bursts, it sends the market down into its next cycle. So this is not an overnight phenomenon, but when you reach a peak, what tends to happen is you reach a plateau and prices tend to stagnate for a while. And uh, often what happens is you start to see that demand dry up. And that's the sign where you're going to transition from a peak to a down cycle. But in a peak market, the signs that you typically see are demand and supply are going to be in balance. This is what we call equilibrium. Prices are or have leveled off. So again, you know, you have a plateau. There is still euphoria in the market and amongst people. Um, but this has reached a point of irrational exuberance in the marketplace. Offers on properties are starting to flatten and decline. So we don't see that multiple offer situation. The days on market time is now increasing. So we're now starting to see properties sit on the market for longer and longer periods of time. Inventory levels start to increase. Investors feel the market will keep on going. So this is the problem is that investors feel that the markets keep going on forever. And this is the problem that we've seen back in 2007, late 2006 and into 2008. In fact, if you haven't seen that movie, The Big Short, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite movies. I've watched it several times. I bought the DVD. It really gives you a good understanding of what happened in a real bubble situation back in 2007. And in terms of a peak market, you know, it's the point of maximum financial risk. Now, I'm talking about risk in terms of price volatility. So when you have a property that has peaked in price, and now, you know, the likelihood of that property's price coming down is at its peak. That may not affect you as a long-term real estate investor. Keep in mind that if you've purchased a property and it's cash flowing and generating a good rate of return and it's gone up in value and you happen to be in a market where that cycle is now turning around and you expect to see property values decline, it doesn't mean you should sell that property. It's probably still worth holding on to because again, number one, your time horizon is long-term. So if you're a long-term buy and hold investor and you're getting cash flow and a good rate of return from that property, it probably makes sense to keep it. So don't be in a rush to be selling those properties. Again, this is something you need to pencil out. The math will help determine what you need to do. Um, and, you know, if you've got a situation where you've got lots of equity in a potential bubble market, talk to one of our investment counselors. We can help give you some guidance as to whether it makes more sense to do a tax-free exchange out of that market and into other safer markets where you protect your equity, but also maintain that cash flow and that rate of return or potentially increase your cash flow and rate of return. But a peak market is Basically speaking, the point of maximum financial risk in terms of property prices. Now, the third market cycle is what we call a down market. This is when property prices start to drop. Then you have what is referred to as a buyer's market. So in a nutshell, sellers are now outnumbering buyers. Demand is drying up and this leads to supply in excess of demand. So this creates a downward pressure on prices. And while buyers can find some great deals, I mean, you can still find great deals, sellers have to accept less money for the properties than they might like. So the characteristics of a down market are this. 
the offers on properties are starting to decline and sometimes rapidly, especially if you're in a cyclical market as we've talked about in a previous episode. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go back to that episode about linear and cyclical markets. Prices decline due to the lack of demand. Now there is anxiety, denial, fear, desperation, and sometimes even panic. All emotions come into play when you are in a down market, and it's clear, and you see it all around you. I mean, there's no question about it. The days on market tend to lengthen considerably. Inventory levels increase substantially, and many investors get caught using the wrong strategy in this market. I mean, this is not a market where you want to necessarily be finding a fix and flip type of property. Uh, If you're a flipper, you want to be in a market that's uh, appreciating ideally um, or flat where it's just continually flat, you know, like a a market like uh, Memphis in general terms where you don't see much in terms of price change from year to year. So uh, you always have to understand the big picture and look at what market you're in. And then the last of the four cycles is uh, the bottom market. And and this is when housing prices hit that rock bottom and they can't plunge down anymore. So you've basically hit the bottom and you're you're flatlining for a while. We've seen this in 2012 uh, in many markets around the United States. And at this point, again, you have equilibrium. You have an equal number of buyers and sellers in the market and supply and demand are back in balance. And this situation starts the cycle all over again. You know, prices will start to rise again. Now, it might not happen right away. You could be um, in a bottom market for a few years before you see any change. But the characteristics of a bottom market are that offers on properties are fairly sparse. Prices have reached a low point and they will eventually flatten if they haven't flattened already. The days on market are near its high point. Uh capitulation, despondency, and and depression occur. I mean, you've reached the bottom point. You know, prices have gone as low as they can possibly go, and now things are just dragging along until something, some driver pushes that market back up. Bottoms usually last a few years. Uh, It could be one year, it could be three years, but you tend to see a one to three year lag. Now, in some markets, you see a bottom for a long, long time. And and I hate to pick on Detroit, but Detroit has been one of those markets where there have been too many drivers keeping that market down and nothing coming in to drive uh, demand and prices back up. So you, you're actually in a bottom market for a long time. So this is the point of maximum financial opportunity. Now, keep something in mind. I'm not suggesting that you find a market that is flatlined at a bottom Uh, just because it has the maximum potential for upside growth in prices. What I'm saying is that, you know, you get the best prices, but not necessarily the best opportunities. I personally think the best place to be buying is a market that has come off the bottom and is trending upward. So in other words, in an up market, the early phases of an up market. But again, if the numbers make sense, if you can get that 1% rent to value ratio, Uh, It doesn't matter all that much where you are in that up cycle because you can get yourself a good deal and you could be in a good market and it'll work out for you in the medium term and the long term. So be aware of these prolonged flat bottom phases. Uh, This is a situation where, you know, markets don't recover and they remain depressed for a period of time. Many of the Rust Belt states, the Northeast U.S., 
have found themselves in a prolonged bottom phase for many years. Now, a lot of those markets have started to turn around. I'm talking, you know, the, the cities and, and micro markets. However, bear in mind that, you know, money can still be made during any phase um, if you use the right strategy. Now, a more technical look at these cycles is uh, what economists and real estate professionals and others use to describe market movements. So what we've talked about are kind of layman's terms. If you want to look at this from a slightly different angle, we can refer to these as the expansion phase. And this is the phase where real estate professionals like builders, contractors, and the public observe that economic conditions are favorable for new construction. Therefore, building permit activity increases, which leads to more demand for construction and construction workers and contractors in that industry. Also, the general population feels pretty good about the direction of the economy and goes out to spend on discretionary items, including housing. And this creates, again, that seller's market, as I mentioned earlier. The available inventory is now being absorbed and it creates higher demand for residential properties. So several buyers may end up bidding for a particular property. And again, that generates higher list prices and therefore higher sales prices and it pushes property prices up. So that's the expansion phase. That's usually that euphoric phase where things are growing. There's an equilibrium phase. And in this phase, growth is no longer explosive in the market. And I say explosive in loose terms here. I'm talking about growth. Economic indicators point towards factors such as sales price, construction starts, migration movements, uh, appreciation, and many other things. So you start to hear this in the media about you know, growth being there, but not necessarily explosive, but things are all pointing in a positive direction. This is also the phase when the market tends to peak. Although it's still a seller's market, demand has begun to wane. And owners may need to adopt more aggressive strategies in terms of pricing and deal making in order to get their property sold. Uh, but that's that transition point. We've gone from expansion to equilibrium. But what happens after an equilibrium phase? Well, now we get to the decline phase. And in this phase, inventory levels in the days on market are at their highest point. Plus, due to poorer economic conditions, employment will fall uh, there will be fewer new construction jobs and new construction homes. There will be an increase in foreclosure rates, short sales, deed in lieu of foreclosure, and so forth. So this phase results in further reduction in property values. It's definitely a buyer's market when you're in the decline phase. And the decline phase becomes a boon for rental units since homeowners may lose their homes. Not that that's a good thing. It's, it's an unfortunate thing. But they tend to now search for rental housing, which you as an investor and a landlord are in a good position to be there. And, you know, that's what we've seen happen over the, you know, the last 10 years or so. We've seen home ownership rate. Well, from 2008, we've seen it drop from about 69% to about 63%. And that's a huge difference because a drop of 1% means that there are 1 million more rental units required in the rental pool. So some home buyers may become leery of purchasing a property because they're not sure what the market will do or, or when will it hit bottom. And last but not least, the absorption phase. So in this phase, economic conditions show signs of improvement because of local, state, and national initiatives and other driving factors. 
So this motivates the restoration of confidence in builders and developers and the general public. And guess what? Now they're coming back in because they see that there is demand for new homes, new housing. When employers start hiring again, unemployment drops and that oversupply of properties begins to get absorbed. And this is still a buyer's market before the cycle starts all over again. Now, let's look at a few subtleties within these cycles. There are really two. One is a linear market, and that occurs when there's a slow and steady appreciation in a market, a local market, over time. Again, I've talked about all this in a previous episode in great detail, so I suggest going back, but this is just a quick summary. A linear market, the cycle size is is smaller. It tends to be smaller, and there's single-digit average appreciation. In other words, the booms and busts seldom happen, and local changes may push prices slightly up or down, but there's no drama involved in terms of fluctuations in price. And this is a key thing because most of the properties that we um, offer clients on our website and through our network are in linear markets. The the bulk of them tend to be in linear markets or, or a hybrid type of market. And the reason for that is these are very predictable easy to invest in markets. They, they may be boring to some degree in terms of um, market price changes, but at the end of the day, you know what the market has done. You have a good prediction of what it will do. You can sleep well at night, and you know that in general terms, these markets will keep pace with inflation, and that's really what you want it to do because the second type of market is a cyclical market. And unlike a linear market, the cyclical markets have larger fluctuations in price and appreciation can vary from single to double digits. This market may involve a boom and a bust cycle and often it does. And you really don't like to be in a market that tops out and becomes a bust market. This is why a lot of smart investors from California, New York, New Jersey, Hawaii, uh, you know, these, these pricey markets recognize this and sell their properties using a 1031 exchange to pull their equity out tax-free and move it into other markets where they preserve that equity but build up a larger portfolio and or increase their cash flow and their cash on cash return or their overall rate of return. So think about that if you have a lot of equity sitting in these cyclical markets. So in these hot markets, Property values can increase by as much as 20 to 30% at the peak of the boom. And I've seen this happen in many markets in California, in Southwest Florida. Um, I remember Cape Coral, Florida, one year appreciated 32% year over year. It was unbelievable. And, you know, we're seeing that happen again in some markets. But of course, you know, the boom fizzles out eventually when prices reach unaffordable levels. And that's when the bust occurs, dropping prices dramatically. All right, well, now you have a basic understanding and background of market cycles. So what I suggest is look at the portfolio you have, consider what you own and where it is and what phase you might be in in terms of what you own. And um, if you're looking to invest, consider the markets that you're looking at and consider where those markets may be going and where they're at today so you know what might be the best market for you to invest in as a real estate investor. 
Anyway, I hope this has been helpful. By all means, if you have any questions, contact one of our investment counselors. If you have a question you'd like me to cover on the show, just click the Ask Marco button on the PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com website. I'll be happy to reply to your email. Thanks to everyone for all the great reviews recently. And if you enjoy the content of the show and you find value in it, please share it with your friends. And by all means, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. That's the best way for us to share it with more people. Thank you for listening. We will see you on our next episode. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.